So as I was, you know, getting this message ready, um, and I'm not, I didn't just get this ready today. I put this message together months ago. It just took us this long to get, you know, through four scriptures. Um, but I got another, I got another good one for you today. And so I'm going to get started and go right in. And um, this is part of, you know, our whole path to, you know, path to greatness, but we're now into um, um, patience and strength. And this part of it, well, actually, this is, well, this is still part of you have niche is patience. Whatever. This is patience and strength. The name of this is patience. This message is patience and strength. This is let's go from there. I had to take one message and turn it into four different series because I kept on so long on one point. So, <laughs> so here we are. We're just going to go with this. Um, I want you to turn to Galatians chapter five. And I want to give all glory to God and thank God for just his goodness and his, his my goodness. Can't find human words to, to, to thank God, but just the love and care, the patience of God, the affection of God. I grew up most of my life knowing about the vengeance of God because that's what the churches I knew always taught and how angry he was and how ready he was to exact revenge on us. But then there's the other side that where God is this loving, kind, caring father who wants his children to win at any cost and will do whatever he can to help us into that place. And it's interesting because if you watch the, the the argument now that's big on TV and, and in um, politics is the liberals versus the conservatives and the conservatives you know, are strong on this side and the liberals are weak on this side and then and they go back and forth and back and forth. and I try to stay away from the politics of conversation, but um, I noticed that began in the church. The legalistic church people said, judgment, get it right. God don't care about you. He only cares about what you do for him. Only what you do for Christ will last. How you feel is not important. God doesn't care about any of that. And then you had the other ones who said, no, God is love, he's mercy. He's forgiving. You can do anything. God will love you anyway. And so you had this same debate as now you're seeing all over the tele television, you know, there's anti-God and pro-God people. And the liberals will be have a tendency to be more anti-God and say, you know, all that's fake. You can do what you want. And then you have the people on the other side, conservatives going, no, you can't do anything and you're going to burn in hell for everything. I think it's a good idea for us to stop trying to define God on our terms and acknowledge that we don't know, but we're forever learning. And we're doing our best not to please the left or the right or this opinion or that, but God, because before God and God alone is where you're going to stand and the judgment that you're going to deal with is going to be based on God and God alone. Wow. Wow. Wait, how did we get there? <laughs> anyway, my point is, God speaks to us individually, and he deals with us individually, but according to his word. And so people say, no, it's according to the word. Right, it's according to the word, but there's things that God in his word that are not 
what I would call direct law, but there's things that God will not let me get away with that he may let you get away with. Because he would say to me, you're older, you've been around longer, you know better, or I've dealt with you about this specifically. Because he would never say you should know better. He'll either say you do or you don't. And he'll be like, you know, because I told you, right? So I want to make sure I put this clear out there. The word of God reaches us where we are and who we are. According to your faith, be it unto you. And God will give me a scripture that will cut me to the core about something. Now look at you and say, why aren't you bothered by that? And you go, I don't know, I'm just not. And your heart has peace before God. And if your if your heart condemns you not, the scripture says, then you have peace before the Father. But if your heart condemns you, he, he knows even more than your heart. This this reality or this truth that God is really pushing for and demanding a personal interaction and a relationship with Him in the level of excellence. And I want you to listen to where I'm going because I said a lot, but there's a point I'm making. The level of excellence God is demanding from you should only be what He's demanding from you. And you are responsible for what he's demanding of you, not everybody else. So if you find somebody to agree with your lifestyle and what you're doing, and, and it makes you feel okay about it, you're still going to be judged. And if you do everything right because somebody agrees with what you're doing and you stand before God and it's not what he's asked you to do, you still will be judged. So if I'm going to be judged by God anyway, I want to be judged by God saying, I did my best to do what I believe was right in your eyes and in your sight. And I did my best to serve you according to your word, the way I knew how. And yeah, I made mistakes and I messed things up and everything else, but I did my best before you and, if, and that the father could look at me and say, son, yes, you did. Daughter, yes, you did. You did your best with all your shortcomings to serve me the way I asked you to. Can somebody say amen for that? So don't let people judge you according to the judgment that's on them. And don't judge yourself according to what you think other people is going to think of you or how people are going to see you. And I need you to understand that because it's very important because with all this political debate and stupidity that goes on there, like I said, I feel began in the church. We need more than ever to be quiet before God and to do those things he's called us to. And some of those things he's called us to, they'll be according to his word, but they'll be unorthodox to the church. And if you don't believe me, just read the story of Jesus' walk. They crucified him and sent us into death because of the religious people did that. And I, I, oh my God, I need you to get this. It wasn't the sinners that did that. It wasn't the evil, hateful people. It was the quote unquote church. It was the people of God who said put him to death because he went against our traditions. He went against what we decided what was good and what was right. And, and he, he challenged our personal beliefs as a group, not individually. Let God challenge us individually. Let God push us to a better walk and a stronger walk individually. Let God check me and chastise me individually. And he doesn't need your help or mine. But he will send certain people at certain times to poke me. And those people, a lot of times, won't even know that they poked me. They said what they said and turned and walked away. And I'm sitting up day and night going, ouch, that was for me. And they'll be like, I don't remember saying that to you. And that is the beautiful part of the work of God, work of God and the work of God. And I pray. I, I know I got long-winded on this today. 
but I needed to say it to set up where we're going today because this is where we are in this season and time. So if you had Galatians 5 already, I'm going to read this to you, starting from verse 13. And you'll see why I gave you such an elaborate setup. So I'm reading from the NIV, Galatians chapter 5, starting verse 13, it says, You, my brothers and sisters, are called to be free. You're praying the song today about I need to be free. You are called to be free, but do not let your freedom indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. I'm going to stop right there just for a minute. Very important. I was on social media and I see people make these comments, either they be from the liberal side or they be from the conservative side. And I've been paying more attention to it lately than ever before. But I didn't know about this until yesterday. So Hamas, to my understanding, I don't follow the news like that. It's negative crap and I want to follow it. They attacked Israel at some kind of social event. It's outrage. I'm, to my understanding, I guess Israel now is retaliating and understandably from the way things are handled in this world, you, you attack us, we attack you back. And so you got people now on one side of the fence saying support Palestine, and the other side is saying support Israel, and there's people actually feeling I don't know all of this enough because I haven't watched it enough, but I can tell that there's people fighting for each side who's right, who's wrong, who's more evil, who did more wrong to the uh, than the other person did. And, and it's, this is a big thing. So there are people who are actually supporters of, I think, Palestine and Hamas, if I understand correctly. If I'm wrong, if I'm right, you shake your head, if I'm wrong, shake your head. And then there's people who are saying Israel is right. I'm wrong, Lindsay? Okay. I'm not gonna ask you to explain it because I don't care. Here's <laughs> the point. The point is there's people supporting both sides and one side is just as vile against the other side, who's right, who's wrong. And, and I, I will have you explain it in a minute. But here's what I said. As I watch people, right, Hamas is the terrorist and Palestine is, is, is the people. I got it. So Hamas is, with the Palestines or with, or they're on their own? They're on their own. Okay, thank you. <laughs> they're on their own, but they're coming out of there from them. So people are including Palestine in the argument, some kind of way. What the heck do they have to do with it? Yeah, please come on and say it. Help me out. See, she pays attention to this crap. I do not. I just see the, the nasty things that are being said on social media. Stop, put it in, in a cap. So we can have it. You're muted and none of us read lips. I'm sorry, can you hear me now? Yes. I'm obsessed with the book of Revelation. Um, so Israel is its own nation as is Palestine and the Palestinians are citizens of this strip of land that has only two exits, Israel and Egypt. Hamas took over that strip 
the country of Palestine several years ago. Hamas is a terrorist organization. Just like the Taliban took over Afghanistan when the United States left, Hamas took over Palestine when Egypt left. And so everyone feels as though they have a right to the Gaza Strip, AKA Palestine, but the citizens of Palestine are not terrorists. It's just been a terrorist run country. And so the conflict has been Israel going after the citizens of Palestine, not just Hamas, and Palestinians wanting to stand up for their land, but trying to separate themselves from the terrorists that have been running and overseeing their land for several years. Okay, well, good. And that's close enough to what I thought I understood. What I understood was Hamas was operating out of Palestine, and so they got thrown into the mix. And so now Palestine and people are saying pro-Palestine, pro-Israel, Either way, the arguments online are saying Palestine is complicit and guilty. That's the argument um, that people are saying, and people are pro-Palestine, anti-Israel, pro-Israel, anti-Palestine. This is what I've been seeing. And if the, if you're for Palestine, then they're saying you're a liberal. Ah. Long story short is this: it's sad because I'm watching how heartless people are when it comes to their point and being right regardless so he's saying this the entire law is fulfilled in this one command love your neighbor as yourself wow so as I was looking at all this conflict going on and thank you Lindsay for explaining it um, a little bit better. I'm, I mean, a lot. I'm a little bit clearer now than I was before. And I really don't want to look into it to even get it more clearer. I just don't. But my point is, love your neighbor as yourself. So these are neighbors. They were neighboring boys. They don't love each other. And I look at family, relatives, friends treat each other like this. And I go, what is the problem? And of course, the, the, the clarity is this. So let's see real close what I'm about to say. I went all the way around there to come to here. That command fails so much because self-love doesn't exist. And because self-love doesn't exist, People are loving their neighbors as themselves. They can't stand themselves. They can't stand you. They don't love themselves. They can't love you. And we spend a lot of time expecting people to give us something that they don't have or to show something to us that they are incapable of showing because they don't have it. So what you believe the word is saying is be nice to people and be nice to yourself or demand what's right for you as you demand what's right for somebody else. But the word is saying to love, to, to, to care about yourself. And there's a conflict that we wrestle with here. This is important. You catch this. Because there's been a wave demonic deception passed around, even through the church, that says loving yourself or caring about yourself is somehow even maniacal and prideful and God doesn't love you for it. So therefore, if you be honest right now, and if you sit right here right now and just say I love myself. Just say it. Honestly, say, I love myself. I really love myself. 
Man, I just think I'm the best. I'm just the greatest. I just love me. See, the more I'm pushing you to say that, the more it's starting to feel awkward because you've been taught that loving yourself is somehow evil. But the scripture says, love your neighbor as yourself. So that means you have to be able to give them something that you already have. And if you feel uncomfortable even saying these things about yourself and the church will condemn us for that, then how are you able to love somebody else? What they're saying is behave right towards somebody, but you can't have love for somebody that you don't have for yourself. Agape love is God looking at you and seeing you for who you are and the great person and the great that thing that he created, right? The apple of his eye, the pride to him, the pride, his pride and joy. And he looks at you and he looks at you and he doesn't see your faults. He doesn't see your shortcomings. He doesn't see your weaknesses. He sees you as the perfect creation that he has made. And when you start to put yourself down, which is being taught through the church, and then you're asked to go love somebody else, you're trying to love somebody out of something that you don't even have to give. That's like asking me, can you give me a bottle of water? And I don't have any water, working water in my house. You can't give what you don't have. So before I read the rest of this, I need you to understand that these charges and these commands are coming from a place. And this complaint, this place is this. The place it's coming from is this. You have to have a love of yourself that's rooted and grounded in God before you can love anybody else. And that, to me, I had to come to realization. I ain't speaking for you. I'm speaking for myself. That that was sorely lacking. I like myself sometimes. There's things about me that I love. There's things about me that I feel good about. But I can tell you right now, like probably everybody here and everybody who watches this thing, you can point out what you don't like about yourself and you can identify more things that's wrong with you than you can identify the things that are great about you and that you love about yourself. Not only do you feel that way, you allow everybody else around you to feel that way too. Who's going to tell me I'm wrong? It's easy for me to point out my shortcomings or for you to point out your shortcomings than it is because you're going to immediately feel this tightening. As I start telling you to say all these great things about you, you say, I love myself. I'm the best. And I can start to see your faces go like, oh, am I supposed to say that? I'm perfect in God's sight. All those kind of things. And right away, you start to feel this condemnation come on. This whole verse I'm about to read to you is powerless minus these first lines. The whole law is fulfilled in this, that you love your neighbor, we catch that part, as yourself. That's the part we miss, because that's the part where God is magnified and glorified. When I come to the realization that I am worthy of love, say it. Say, I am worthy of God's love because he made me worthy and he's loved me from before I was in my mother's womb. That's worth praising him about. That's, worth, that's something to be happy about, that's something to, 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 to love yourself about. I was watching a video the other day and the, the wife kept saying to the husband, I don't feel good. I don't think I look good today. I, she was going on with what she thought was wrong with her. And he kind of took the heaviness off her by turning it into a joke and he made her smile. And he said, 
How dare you insult me like that? You saying I don't got good taste in a wife? That I picked some garbage? That I don't, and, and you know, and then she started laughing. I think you're beautiful, and I think you're this, and you're lovely, and and you smell good. And he started, and she just giggled and laughed, and she was, you know, you know, he he lifted the weight by saying to her, "How dare you say this? You saying I'm horrible at picking wife? You saying I got bad taste?" But my mind immediately went to God. He made you in his image, in his likeness. He loves you. And how dare you call what he's created garbage? How dare you sit there and pick apart and find all this fault in this beautiful creation that he has made? How dare you let anybody else shame you into feeling that you're not worthy enough unless you do this, that, that, and this, when all you have to do to be all of that is created. And you were. By the God we say makes no mistakes. Yet we'll sit there and we'll point out all these mistakes in ourselves. I hope I'm ministering to somebody because there's so much to pull apart in this, what I'm about to read here. But I just wanted to, stop and make sure I took this in for myself and for you. He said, but all of it is fulfilled. Let me read it again. Starting from 13, 13 again. My brother and sister, you are called to be free. See, I'm called to be free. But do not use this freedom to indulge the flesh, right? I mean, don't use the freedom to run around and be this and do that and smoke and be a hoe. No, it's not talking about that. It's talking about don't, don't use this freedom to indulge the flesh. Well, what's the opposite of indulging the flesh? Serving yourself. Rather serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. So we manifest God. We show the greatness of God. We don't serve the flesh by serving each other. And we serve each other humbly in love. But the entire spiritual law or the running of the universe is kept by this one command. And I'm going to read it differently. But I'm going to read it this way so you get it. Love yourself and then love your neighbor as yourself. Who caught that? Love yourself, then love your neighbor as yourself. For if you hate yourself, you will love your neighbor as yourself. And you will treat your neighbor the way you feel about yourself. And that's what the world is full of right now. I can't compliment you because I can't compliment me. I can't want the best for you because I don't believe the best for me. I can't believe God really cares and loves you because I don't believe he really cares and loves me. I can't forgive you because I don't believe God forgives me. quiet right now. Am I speaking to you? So, 
the entirety of the Lord's fulfilled in this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love yourself and then love your neighbor as yourself. Say, I love myself so that I can love my neighbor as myself. You get the power of what's being said there? So if you have a problem loving yourself or the pride thing still kind of rises up in you and the, the lies from the church and the devil tell you that loving yourself is somehow evil or bad, say, I'm loving myself so I can love my neighbor as myself. I'm gonna give myself a motivation there. Then it's okay for me to love myself because I'm loving myself so that I can have the ability to love my neighbor with a genuine love that I feel for myself that I believe comes from God to me. God loves me, so I love me, and because I love me, I can love you. I can shut this message down right here and say have a blessed day, and I think I said enough. But I just want to dig that foundation in deep, and this is what God has been showing me. I love you. I think you're perfect. I think you're beautiful. How dare you criticize what I created? How dare you? How dare you talk down on yourself? Thank you, Q. I appreciate the claps. So he goes on. If you bite and devour each other, <laughs> watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. Wow. Where was the church sleeping when this word was passed out? Because there it is. Church is famous for that. Love each other. Don't bite and devour each other because if you do, you will be destroyed by, destroyed by each other. So I say, walk in the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are contrary to that of the spirit. I've always read that. I've always had this preached to me, but never like this. And the spirit what is contrary to the flesh, they are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now, I'm gonna go to verse 19, but I gotta go back because verse 19 says, the acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, fractions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. And the like is the miscellaneous cop of all the other stuff. <laughs> and the like is, you know, and stuff like this. You know what I'm saying? What do you mean? Strip club is not in the Bible. And the like, it's right there. It's in the like is there. Nothing in the Bible says I can't use drugs. And the like, drunkenness, debauchery, and the like. That's the miscellaneous column that covers all of that stuff. But the point I'm bringing home is this. Trying to teach that message from that point is coming from a legal, bitter, unfulfillable place if you don't have watch this go back 
Go all the way back. Go all the way back to, the, to where we started, 13. Do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, but rather humbly in love serve one another for the law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love yourself first so you can then love your neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself, meaning love yourself first and then share that with your neighbor. Hmm. Let's go back down now. The act of the flesh or not walking in love for yourself first, then towards your neighbor is this. When you don't love yourself, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rape. Do you see that a person that loves themselves does not function out of these things? You get it? Trying to behave and make your flesh behave is useless. But if I love myself, I'm not going to use drugs. I'm not going to live in a life of immorality or witchcraft or adultery or discord or jealousy. I thought about times in my life that I had fits of rage. Somebody said something, I'm ready to kill them. That's it. You crossed the line. You done. And God would say to me, why? Why did I make you want to do that? Because they disrespected me. They said some words. Yeah, but it was disrespectful. Why? Because I'm a man. You don't say that to me. Says who? Me. Who gave you that philosophy? Growing up. Growing up in me? No. Since when did somebody's words trigger you to want to commit murder and go to jail and ruin what I put you on this planet to do? But I thought that that's what I, really? You have decided what words take you off of my path because of a lack of self-love. If you loved yourself, you wouldn't be triggered like that. You would find no truth in the words that were spoken and you would keep it moving. It's a father, but that's disrespectful. Okay, somebody walked up to you tomorrow and asked you, are you a girl? Are you a woman? You know, have you been changed? You want to kill them? No, I laugh at them. So then you do have a right to decide which words trigger you and which don't. So then I had to say, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. You have to help a brother out right there because that train has been steeped in me for as long as I can remember. And I know that, no, I, I got to defend, I got to stand up and I got to make sure. God was like, yeah. but if you hold your peace, I'll fight your battle. True. So what's the problem? Lack of self-love because you love yourself enough to not want to jeopardize yourself because of somebody's words. You love yourself enough to know that your value in you makes you feel more compassion for them than wanting to react to what they say 
because either you bear witness to some of some of something of what they're saying, or you don't believe my love for you is big enough to overcome what they said about you. I don't know if you just heard that, so I'm gonna say it one more time. Or you don't believe my love for you is big enough to overcome what they said about you. So you need to defend it. It is impossible to walk and steer free of these things in verse 19 if self-love is not there. And that self-love coming from God's love for you. And because God thinks you're valuable enough and he said you're valuable enough and he created you in his image and likeness so he knows you're valuable enough, then there should be enough love in you and me and all of us that we are not moved or swayed by what other people say, think, or what they do because and I'm, I'm preaching to myself too. So please, I'm not just checking you um, to know that the love of God in me is better and stronger than their bitterness, hatreds, or animosity toward me. Amen. Say God's love for me is bigger than anything they can say about me. Who bears witness with that? And so the strength of the Lord is rising up in me to say, in all that criticism, in all of that reaction of man and man acting out his own self-hatred, that I don't feel the need to join them because God's love for me lets me know that I'm big enough and the love that I have for myself because of his love to not feel the need to respond or retaliate to somebody else's ignorance or stupidity or frustration or self-hatred or anything else. And I'm not saying you're going to wake up tomorrow and have this, but doggone it, I'm planting a seed tonight so that you can start in the path of walking in it. Because this is the key to our victory. God, why I have not, not seen some of the great things that your word promises that I should have? And why are we not experiencing in this day and age in the church all those promises that we saw in the Old Testament and in the new, even in the New Testament times when Jesus walked up and he said, because you don't love me, because you don't love yourself, because you don't love what I created and you can't pass love on and you cannot heal people and do miracles and see people raised from the dead and anything like that apart from walking in love. Are you listening to me? You can't do it. Moved with compassion, Jesus healed the multitude. It says that on more than one occasion in the scripture. His motivation wasn't moved with power. It wasn't moved with intelligence or moved with the need to have recognition. It was moved with compassion. He healed the multitudes. That means he loved. Jesus loves me. We sing the song. God so loved the world. We know the verse. But the, the question is, how are we going to walk in that power of God without walking in that same kind of love of God? It doesn't exist. It doesn't happen. I went and laid hands on people they didn't heal. Did you love them? What do you mean? Did you, did, you, did you go pray for them because you want them to see them get healed? Or did you love them? Because if you love them with the love of God, then when you laid hands on them, the love of God would be transferred through you to them, and that's what would heal them, not you quoting scriptures and saying some words. I said the blood of Jesus 10 times. So what? Was there any love in that statement? Was there any power in that statement? And that power is released through love. Am I reaching anybody? Am I speaking to anybody? This is so important. And this is what God's showing me. He says, you so busy being defending your rights. And he said, and you're right. A lot of times what you're saying, you're right. 
that shouldn't happen, that shouldn't happen, this shouldn't happen, that shouldn't happen. He said, but if you love the way I love, that would come out of you and that would make the change. Yeah, not you defending your right to be. It ain't fair. Nothing about fair. I want to live out verse 19 based on the fact that I can live out of verse 14. That the entire law, all this stuff is the law, right? Listen, sexual don't commit sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, fractions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. This is saying all of these things are going against the law of God. But the law of God is fulfilled, he said, in verse 14, in one thing. Not doing all of that is fulfilled in one thing. That you love your neighbor and love yourself. Love yourself so you can love your neighbor. And you love yourself by loving God and learning that God loves you. So I'm not going to keep going today. There's so much more I can say and do. Maybe I'll read another verse. So let me see. Yeah, I, I, I want to read the rest. Because I can't walk out this life with self-hatred. I can't fulfill this law of loving anybody with self-hatred. I don't hate myself. Do you love yourself? Do you love yourself? Do you love what God has created? Do you love yourself? Do you appreciate the you that God made and everything about it and you, everything about you that God has made? Shortcomings, ups, downs, this, that, and the other. Do you love yourself? So how can I see the looks? Right. Same thing with me. I love things about me. I don't love me. So I'm giving from a half-filled glass to other people. Doing my best. But I can't give you what I don't have. So my prayer right now that Father, you help us not in an arrogant, prideful love, but a confident love welling down from the spirit into our souls, into our bodies, into our minds, into our spirit. The revelation that you love us. You love us unconditionally. You love us with a fervent fire, a love, a white hot love that it melts away and burns away all sin. Perfect love casts out all sin, casts out all judgment. It's the perfect love. And we in this season desire to walk in that perfect love. We desire to walk in that perfect light. Let us love you and let 
or to know or teach us how to love you and ourselves through your love. Help me love myself through your love. Help us love ourselves through your love. That then we can love our neighbors the way we love ourselves. That same white heart God love that we feel. I come against every spirit right now. Low self-esteem. Any self-hatred. Any bitterness put down. Any unworthiness that lives, I don't care if it was stolen by parents, friends, family, whoever, we break free from it right now. And I pray for the peace that passes all understanding that God, our hearts and mind, Christ Jesus, as we surrender ourselves to that love. Father, we desire to know your love. And we desire to love you as we are loved. Help us, Father God. Accept that we are loved on any level, in every level. And then help us to receive that love and then turn around and love what God has created in us. I ask for every heart to be cleansed right now, circumcised and freed from any bitterness and self-hatred. Any animosity toward ourselves, any, any root of bitterness that is lived in knowledge in us toward ourselves because we can't begin to show love and forgiveness toward anybody else until we receive total love and forgiveness toward ourselves. Heal us from the outside in to the inside out. Heal us back generationally. Human son makes free is free indeed. And let us walk in the light where there is no darkness, nor darkness is burnt away. I speak healing and peace and love over each and every person. Every wound, recent and past. Go, Father God, throughout our history and cleanse us. Any root, any generational curse, anything that is sold into us, whether it be because we're people of color, whatever the case may be. Every lie, that has convinced us that we are not worthy of the greatest love ever. We submit to you to be free from it. Let that light come down on us right now to begin to burn away everything, every hindrance, every spiritual force. I pray for each and every person that listening to the sound of my voice that every remnant is beginning to melt and burn away right now as a cleansing fire, consuming fire comes upon us and frees us from the lies, from the pit of hell in the tongues of men, in the time of ages, we are free. And if you've made us free, then we are free indeed. And we proclaim with our own voices right now, we are free. We are free. We are, are free. We are free to love. We are free to be loved. We are free to receive your love, Father. And we are free to dispense your love. And we first dispense it in ourselves and share it with our own inner being. 
and then from the inside out to the rest of the world. Father, we've tried to love the world and love people according to what we thought love was. Change our vocabulary, erase the definition in our mental and emotional dictionary and rewrite it with your own hand, like Jesus wrote in the sand. The definition of love and your love toward us and for us so that we may be wonderful, beautiful, God-anointed dispensers of that love to the world that needs it. We bless those who curse us. We can then pray for those who spitefully use us. We can show, Father, a love and a harmony that we've never seen before. We thank you for the victory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. It's a new beginning. It's a whole new revelation. The Lord loves, he chases, he corrects. But that chastening, he says, no chastening seems good at the moment, but it brings forth the peace of the fruit. You're on your way into something great. Don't let it be taken from you. Love your neighbor. But first, let God teach you to love yourself so that you have something to share with your neighbor. Amen. Love and blessings to you. Amen.